Hello, queen, and welcome to the CEO Mindset Method. I am your host, Erin Titanser. This is where you get to take your CEO status to a whole new level. We are all about taking ownership of who you are now, how you got here, and why you want what you want. We heal, guide, visualize more than what you think is possible for you, and I teach you how to make it happen. We make the present to future journey fun, sexy, attractive, exciting, so that creating five-figure months is a no-brainer. It's possible. We do it, and we want you in our tribe. I'm so freaking happy you are here. Now let's get started. Hi, queens, and welcome back to another episode of the CEO Mindset Method. I am your host, Erin Titanser, and today I have a very, very special guest, one of my newly good, great friends that I have met um, in the breathwork facilitator training that I'm going through. Miss Aliyah, thank you for coming on today and being being willing to just be open and let people see you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Um, so why don't you just start off with, well, let me just do it like a quick, how we met. It's very quick, but mm-hmm. we're going through the breathwork facilitator training with Samantha Skelly and we met, we're in the same pod group. So there's a bunch of people that go through the program and then they put us in little pod groups of like 10 to 12 people. And we happen to be in the same one. And she is also a fellow projector. And so I'm just all about inviting projectors on because they can see things that other people can't. And we have just, I've been able to see her and she's been able to see me on such like a deep, deep level so quickly. And like our friendship has Mm -hmm. just grown so much and it's been awesome. So why don't you do like a quick intro, who you are, what you do, all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I feel like we have an instant spark though. That's also just part of your zone of genius. It's just like showing up and making people feel like they're in like a spiritual hug immediately. Mm. That's that's I that I felt that with you for sure. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, who am I? What am I doing? Was that yeah. the question? Who uh, are you? What do you do? Where do you live? Where are you from? All that. My name is Lia Pritchard, girl. I mm. live in Los Angeles right now. Um, before quarantine and COVID happened, I was splitting time between London and LA, which I look forward to getting back to. I just didn't nice. know that. Yeah, it's a nice balance. You know, London's very rainy. I walk everywhere. It's very sort of business focused and architectural. And then Los Angeles is like sunny and creative and driving. So I loved having the balance. And I would kind of use my trips to bookmark whatever it was that I was working on. So I'd be like, all right, I've got three months to complete this project in Los Angeles. And then I'm going to transition to London and then complete another project. Um, but I mean, we can get into that. Why wow. we're definitely you going to get into that one hundred percent. I miss it. I miss it. I'm so looking forward to like ease coming back to travel. Mm. Um, but I honestly worked as an interior designer for a really long time, mm. and used to be a therapist. So I've had this sort of rolling career of like going all into mental health and then realizing I'd kind of worked my way into too rigid of a career (laughs) and then moving to Los Angeles being like, I'm not going to do coaching or therapy anymore. I'm just going to explore my creative side. Ended up in interior design and running my own company, which went 
amazing. But then again, before COVID, I realized what's bringing me the most joy working with my design clients is coaching them (laughs) because everyone going through a remodel is having some sort of major life transition, right? Like their marriage is dissolving. They're having a new baby. They want to start a new phase. They just moved and got a new job. Like there's so much there. And as a designer, you're working with their money and their home and their personal taste and their family and everything, like the most intimate aspects of someone's life you're involved in as an interior designer. And I loved the work. It was a great company to run for a long time. And I worked with some amazing clients, but it started to feel like there was just a shift where what I was enjoying most was coaching people. So a couple of years ago, started bringing that side out and and exploring a little bit and figuring out what it was going to look like if I were to develop a mental health company again and mm-hmm. a coaching company. Yeah. And that's where we kind of ended up at the rebound way. And there's a whole story behind that as well. But right now I'm working with people one-on-one okay. doing deep life coaching focused around emotional empowerment and boundary setting. And then I'm also in the process of developing an online library of low cost, like really intentional, impactful courses around boundary setting and emotion regulation and family Um, relations, stuff like that. I, I didn't realize, which this makes total sense that you said this, like with the interior design, the part where people are going through huge transitions, like that's partly why they're wanting to create an outside space that's reflecting what's going on inside or what they're wanting to call in. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So you're not only like, <laughs> I, my mind's kind of blown right now for all interior designers too. Like it's not, you're not just receiving money to work on their home. Like you're in it with them. You are absolutely in it. And of course, everyone's oh. going to do that at different levels of comfort. Yeah. yeah. And some people might be more in the traditional interior design side of things. But as someone that is trained to see the intimate and vulnerable parts of people and to really listen to what people are going through emotionally and attune to that, I just couldn't do it. So like, I just embraced that and brought that into my process and was like, look, I know this might be stressful with other people, but like, we're going to have as peaceful as a remodel as possible. We're not going to have any drama. Everything's going to be taken care of. It's all going to be okay. But also I worked with a ton of bachelors. Like that was sort of my little niche is working with men who were recently out of relationships for one reason or another, um, or who had lost their partner and were trying to transition their space. Mm -hmm. And so the work ended up being much more beyond just like, oh, I'm going to furnish your bachelor pad and give you some sexy furniture. You know, Mm -hmm. it was much more around who are you outside of this relationship? What do you want to create for your life now? And what's your taste? Like, what's your personal taste? How do you want this home to function? But ultimately as a designer, you get down into all the nitty gritty, right? You're like, what kind of bed sheets do you like? (laughs) You know, I, I'm just literally, you literally set yourself up for that. Like, Going through getting your degree in that, there's no way you would have been able to put up a wall to block Mm -hmm. that part out where you're like, he's talking and I'm not going to listen. Like you were just like, I know too much in my brain of what's going on right now. Like what he's saying, I can, I'm hearing something else. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. 
Yeah. And it was deeply rewarding work. Yeah. You know, and I loved it. And it just got to the point where I was like, you know, people, people aren't signing up for deep life coaching, but they Mm -hmm. could be. (laughs) Yeah. And so many people tell me as well, why don't you just keep the interior design and do the life coaching aspect? But honestly, the coaching part is so um, fulfilling and creates so much vibrancy and inspiration inside of me that Mm. I can let go of the shopping part (laughs) of the design business and the curating and the project management and, and just like, I'm so excited to just be present with people now. Yeah. I feel that for you. It feels, uh, it feels, um, simple and more fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. First question. Um, I want to talk about you are like the boundary queen. I am so, the boundary queen. You are the boundary queen. And it's like, like we haven't even known each other for that long, but I know that about you. Like, so I want to know why that, like, why, why has it, why have you felt called to do that? Because we all have like our own little like niches that we're seeing yet or not seeing, but you're mm-hmm. very just like, I'm the boundary queen. This is why you need boundaries. So tell me more about that. Like, how did that come about? I feel like with any niche, it happens sort of intuitively and half on accident, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when you go into coaching and you're trying to figure out what your core message is. Like, that's not necessarily something you're in control of. It just sort of comes through you once you sit with it long enough. And all right, let me, let me figure out how I can tell the story without going on a whole, let me tell you about my entire life. Well, why don't you give <laughs> me I, like, just like start talking and you know, it'll come through you. So mm-hmm. just start where you feel like you need to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought that I was a very empowered person that didn't take no BS mm-hmm. till I was about 20 or 21. I got a job working at a residential center for youth healing from extreme trauma. Mm. And that meant that I was working with like 10 to 20 plus kids at a time who were living at this complex. They're working with therapists, but they were fully out of really, really intense traumatic situations or had experienced trauma and then had been in the foster care system um, and the residential care system for a while. So when they showed up, they had really extreme behaviors right? A lot of aggressiveness, a lot of sneakiness, manipulation, Mm. um, a lot of adaptive behaviors that ultimately kept them safe in the trauma and abuse situations. But now when they're trying to teach them how to live in a family effectively and safely and how to attach securely, those are maladaptive behaviors at that point. So I was like this tiny little 20 year old baby and had just got my psychology degree and showed up at this job. And, um, at the interview, they tell you like, you, it's going to take at least a year of showing up here every day before you even feel like you know what you're doing. So like, mm. can you be prepared for that kind of a learning curve? Yeah. And of course you sort of just go, okay, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I have no idea what that means. Right. But what it ended up meaning is that in order for me to effectively teach these children how to be emotionally empowered, how to feel safe in their bodies, how to securely attach to adults, and how to process change effectively, effectively, Mm -hmm. I had to be able to do all those things for myself first. Mm -hmm. And while I thought I was a super empowered person, the moment I show up and there's 20 super smart, very adaptable children trying to manipulate you, I was like, oh my God, I have no boundaries. I have no sense of being able to 
tell someone how to be respectful around me, tell someone how to be safe around other people and ensure that they are safe around other people. I was full of anxiety basically my whole life, but kind of compartmentalized it. So I didn't know that it was there. Two questions real quick. What's Mm -hmm. the age group of these kids? They were three to 13. Okay. Um, Wow. Wow. Three. Tiny little babies sometimes. But I tell you some of those like four or five-year-old kids when they came in, like they had been running the orphanages that they lived in. Like they were so on trying to keep themselves safe that like they had the whole system working for them. Okay. So then that second, that goes in my second question. What, what do you mean by that? Like, what, can you give us an example of like what that manipulation looked like for you? Or like Mm -hmm. you say they ran it. Mm -hmm. When kids are put into a safe situation from an unsafe situation, it's going like anybody, it's going to take time for them to trust that. And in this case, it takes about a year and a half before children are trusting that the same thing is going to happen every day. Mm. So the program that we are in is very structured and very consistent and has the same sort of schedule. And the expectations behaviorally for those youth are very transparent. So they know exactly what is expected of them, what respectful behavior looks like, what... um, cooperative behavior looks like. And then of course we're offering them a ton of verbal cues for seeking support in healthy ways. Mm. So their manipulative behavior would look like mm, beyond just outward aggression. It might look like whispering to their peers and hoping no one notices. It might look like tiny, tiny things like wearing socks that have huge holes in it and seeing if anyone notices or throwing their floss away and saying that they need new floss because they they ran out. So it's very small, tiny little behaviors that they're using to test whether or not the adults are actually watching them and able to keep them safe. Because if you're not noticing all these tiny details that they feel like they're getting away with, then you're not able to understand what's going on in the world. And then oh, help my... I it's really minute but it it makes I'm I'm just blown away because it makes so much sense because they it's not like they're doing that intentionally but subconsciously they're like let's see if Aliyah is watching me and says something to me and Mm -hmm. if she does that means she has been watching me Mm -hmm. and she is seeing me Mm -hmm. wow so you're looking so you have to like be on and look for all the things when you're working there. Right. Which means you have to be incredibly emotionally grounded, right. And really present in your body. And so I learned two really main big things during this work. I learned how to, when other people escalate, I learned how to deescalate my body. So the moment people go up, I instantly go down so that I can hold their escalation and be like a grounding force for that. Wow. And I learned how to like really, really deeply connect to my intuitive voice, which had not been there at all before, because in order, you know, to, in order to suss out those teeny tiny little lies or those little shifts in behavior, most of the time you don't, you don't see them overtly. And it would just be like this almost silent ping Mm -hmm. in my core and in my center when a kid was doing something or they were interacting with me 
And I learned how to trust that and be like, I'm not sure what's going on right now. I'm going to have you sit down. I'm going to come back to you in five minutes. Mm. And I want you to tell me, you know, and it seems wild because they would be asking for something very benign or doing something that just seemed harmless, but then they would come back around and tell you the truth. And that would be the moment where you're like, all right, our intuitive centers are so much more sensitive and we have such a higher bullshit meter than we yeah. give ourselves credit for having if we learn how to slow down and listen. Wow. Yeah. So oh it was, a, it was an experience. So I worked there for like four and a half years about, and so that's really where my emotion regulation, emotional empowerment and boundary setting work came from. And when I realized that I wanted to start coaching people, I just wrote down everything that I knew into the beginning of a manuscript of a book. I was like, what, what is the information that's allowed me to thrive? Mm-hmm. And what is the information that comes up in conversations with people? most often, you know, when they're seeking my support. Mm-hmm. And I realized it was mostly around boundary setting and that what isn't out there in the field right now is that you have to learn how to emotionally regulate and be grounded in your body before you're going to have access to your boundaries. And I don't feel like anyone's talking about that. No, <laughs> because like, oh, even no, as you're fine. saying that, yeah, as you're saying that, I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm partially understanding so I feel like I, I want to ask you some questions on um, that egg and like crack that open a little more of what that means. Mm-hmm. So let's crack it open. Let's crack it open. So what does emotional regulation mean? Mm-hmm. Great question. So emotional regulation ultimately just means shifting your nervous system into a state that is not in survival. It's in a state of rest mm-hmm. so that your body has a sense of calm. An emotion really is just a physical sensation Mm -hmm. paired with a mental meaning making, like a cognitive decision of what that physical sensation means. So when you're emotionally regulating, you might feel the sensations of anxiety in your body, whatever that means for you. And that might typically be escalated when you assume anxiety means I should panic. It means I'm out of control. It means I'm unsafe. It means that something's wrong. And that's going to bring it out in your body, or you can feel those sensations and you can think to yourself, my anxiety means that something is out of alignment, Mm. either my behaviors or my mindsets, the way that I'm thinking about something or processing something. And it's telling me, it's indicating to me that I need to take a few deep breaths, slow down and do some self-inquiry to find Mm. out what this is meaning and what steps I can take that will make me feel better in my body or better in my relationships and more centered. Okay. So then how do you know you are emotionally unregulated? Hmm. Cause I hear that. It's Mm -hmm. like, cause just for people who have never done that work, they Mm -hmm. don't even know. So if that sounds good, if someone's thinking as you're talking, if someone's thinking, what I would give to not feel anxiety mm-hmm. and to not react to that emotion and to know that I can stop and feel mm-hmm. they want that. Right. So how, how do they, yeah. How do they know they're emotionally unregulated? Mm-hmm. The easiest way to answer that is if you are feeling overwhelming emotions like anxiety mm-hmm. or guilt 
or anger or shame, embarrassment, fear, sadness, depression, anything that doesn't feel like grounded, connected joy Mm. on a regular basis. Of course, we're going to go through periods, you know, we're going to have periods of grief and periods of low energy, like periods of growing a lot and feeling a lot more anxiety because of that. But when it's unregulated, you're going to experience it much more frequently Mm. and it's going to feel pervasive. It might even feel like it's a part of your identity to be anxious or to be sad. And so there's a, a level of deeply understanding that you are in control of it or out of control of it. Mm. And most of us, just because of the way that we were brought up, are unregulated because we weren't taught that we can control our emotions and that we can regulate our bodies on your own, right? We just learned somewhat recently, as far as the grand scheme of humanity, that we can use breath to regulate the autonomic nervous system, right? Which we assumed before we had no control over. And now we know that we can manipulate it to our advantage to work for us. And we can do the same thing with our emotions. So if you feel like you are an emotion that feels Mm -hmm. overwhelming or you don't have a sense of being able to de-escalate that emotion and clear it from your system, Mm -hmm. then you would be experiencing emotional dysregulation. Okay. So I guess- So it's a really big step into power. Yeah. Um, Because that's, I mean, awareness is always the first step. So it's like once you become aware, that's when you- gain ownership and that power back. So maybe like a great question to ask is what's your top three emotions you experience on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And if it, and if it's the stress, overwhelm, frustration, anger, anxiety, depression, then you know that you, what'd you call it? You said emotional dysregulation, mm-hmm. deregulation. Mm-hmm. Um, dysregulation. So so I'm trying to, I had something come through. So you'd ask yourself that and then what? And then I would ask how you process it. And actually you okay. nailed that. That's literally the first question on all of my coaching questionnaires <laughs> is do you feel anxiety, fear, mm. anger, frustration, or any other overwhelming emotion on a regular basis? So do you because- believe then that your natural state, the state that you're supposed to be in is what? The natural state that I believe we can exist in most frequently would be grounded, presence, joy, connected love. Now, of course, I'm an idealist, (laughs) but I've seen it for myself. Like As I've learned how to separate myself from the anxiety that I felt, for most of my childhood and young adulthood. And I've learned how to work with the anxiety and use it as an indicator for growth and for change, really be an observance of it rather than in it. I've felt this space expand for grounded, connected love connections, you know, like to have that joy and that vibrancy and that excitement about life because that emotion isn't consuming you and because I know what to do when it comes up in my body. So the second question, if you feel these emotions on a regular basis, which again, it's totally understandable that you do, like we're not taught how to regulate these things. And to boot, 
society like glorifies it, right? How many memes do you see on Instagram right now being like, oh, my anxiety has anxiety and mm-hmm. I'm super anxious all the time. Ha ha ha. Like we make fun of it, but the fact is like we don't have to live with that in our bodies. So the second question to ask is, are these present? And if so, how do you currently respond? Yeah. Because it might feel like you don't do anything, but that just means that you're avoiding it by either turning it inward and shutting it down Mm. or by projecting it out and pushing it out onto other people. So you're going to do one or two of those things. And from there, with that awareness, you can start to rework your relationship to that emotion and renegotiate it. Have you joined us in the Aligned Experience yet? It's my new monthly membership that I specifically designed for those of you who are ready, really ready to feel your experience in alignment. We figure out what alignment feels like in your life and what it feels like to be out of alignment and use those tools so you can have the exact relationships, business, connection, home that you desire so badly. We use breathwork, coaching, and crazy inspirational calls where you will walk away feeling on fire. You'll know exactly what to do next and walk away with the energy of excitement and full inspiration. We're talking about everything in the aligned experience. It doesn't matter where you are in your alignment journey. If you feel called to deepen this practice of knowing what it feels to be in and out of alignment, this is the place for you. We talk business, relationships, wealth, health, and everything that you desire in your own power, and we claim it in there. I just help you get it quicker and faster using alignment in breathwork, coaching, and inspiration calls. If you want more information on the Aligned Experience and the experience that so many women are having in there, head over to the show notes and click on the link. We would love to have you join us in the Aligned Experience. Okay, so I am ju- I'm loving this, loving this. There is, I want you guys who are listening to this, I want you to ask yourself those questions. And then I want you to just imagine what your life would look like if you didn't experience these on a daily basis. Like it pops up, like Elias said, every once in a while when you're going mm-hmm. through things. But if you experience joy, love, calm, grounded, all of that, what would your life look like if those were your mm-hmm. emotions you experienced? So can mm-hmm. you talk to that on how how that change was for you? Yeah. Yeah. So for context, mm-hmm. um, I think one of the greatest things that I, I ever learned for myself going to therapy was that I had a massive massive double standard for myself versus for other people when it came to experiencing emotions that were big or overwhelming. And what I would term back then as negative, I don't Mm -hmm. believe there are negative emotions anymore, but back then I felt like they were negative emotions. So what I learned is that I allow other people space to feel whatever emotions they're feeling. And I feel comfortable sitting and holding space for those people to process that. But I didn't allow myself the same 
um, courtesy, I guess, or allowance. So when anxiety, which was my primary emotion that came up or for, you know, a period of time, loneliness or depression, when that came up in my body, I would feel it partially mm-hmm. and then I would completely shut it down. So if I had plans to go out that night and see my friends, I would think to myself, well, I can either pretend to be happy and a positive, fun person to be around, or I can stay home and mm-hmm. not really process these emotions, but just sort of sit in them and compartmentalize them as much as possible and sort of tune out, which normally looked like watching Netflix or having a glass of wine or dissociating in some way. So once that was brought to my awareness, bless my therapist's heart, thank you so much. Um, I was like, oh my golly gosh, no wonder people feel like they can't connect with me. I'm only giving them this very compartmentalized sort of watered down version of myself. So I started to breathe, just first started to allow some space for that Mm. with other people, but ultimately with myself as well. So when emotions came up, I just let myself sit with them. And sometimes it only lasts like 30 seconds, you know, but Mm. just allowing that space to breathe and to acknowledge them rather than instantly shut them down. And now after years of practicing that and learning other tools, which we can talk about too, because I want to make sure that you guys walk away with some tangible stuff. Yeah. You can instantly start implementing in your life. What I experience now is my anxiety will ping in my body. Mm-hmm. And instead of shutting it down, I get curious. Mm-hmm. So I know that my anxiety is a green light for new action. Mm-hmm. And the moment it shows up, I think to myself, what is my anxiety telling me? Because it always tells me something really juicy and really good. And it either means that I've made a decision that I'm out of alignment with, right? I've said yes to something that I actually want to say no to something, or I'm, you know, not including myself in something that I really want to participate in or someone's draining my energy and I need to create my own space again. So anxiety shows up to tell me something very specifically about what I need to do to step into my alignment. And then, you know, you can use breath work or self-soothing practices to release it from your body and then take that new action so that you're consistently sort of evaluating Mm. where you're at, but it moves through your body very quickly. And then you have all this space to move into a place where you are empowered, right? And you're taking new actions. So if instead of anxiety coming in and just creating a cloud around you, you're like, oh, anxiety, what's up, girlfriend? What do you got to tell me today? Oh, I don't want to go to that event later because I'm super worn out and I need to have a night in. Okay. I need to trust that intuitive telling because your body knows so much more Mm. than your mind and then make a decision that allows me to align with that. Oh my gosh. What like, yeah, what life would look, cause I I feel that I feel like Mm I, 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 maybe I'm at, maybe the reason why I attracted you into my life, (laughs) I always find these patterns amazing. Maybe I'm at the point where you were, where um, you think that you're emotionally regulated, right? Mm -hmm. And as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, this is what I teach, Mm -hmm. right? And I teach it in a different way. But I'm like, oh my gosh, what would it be like to sit and and feel, and instead of numbing it out and avoiding it, and and I do that, you know, throughout the day, and then like nighttime hits, and all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? 
I just, I'm just going to not feel anymore. Cause I've been feeling all day. Yeah. But that's it. Like just, the instead of the anxiety, cause I can see the anxiety cloud come over and it's like that. I mean, every single client of mine has some sort of like anxiety emotion. That's very prominent in their life. Mm-hmm. It's, it is this dark cloud. And what you're saying is when you get curious and let that emotion process through your body, instead of sitting in the start cloud and being stuck and hating who you are and hating your life and wishing it was different and all this, like you're stuck, right? It's like, you're like mm-hmm. just changed to the couch. You are releasing and like, it's kind of like a dissolving cloud where you are like the empowerment is you choosing what's next. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. So you're really, what you're doing ultimately is building new neural pathways and making new meaning out of that emotional experience, which is what's going to shift you from it, right? When you are overwhelmed with anxiety, it's going to keep Mm. you stuck. But if you start to see it as, it's almost like a fortune teller. It's like a little psychic tap in. Your anxiety will always show up when you need to make a new decision. Or I say anxiety is always paired with action. Anxiety means new action. I love that. And so when I you can sit, see, go ahead. I was just going to say, when you sit with it, you pair a new thought with it instantly. When you say, mm. it's okay that this is in my body, what new meaning can I make out of it? While well, it's telling me something really important that I need to know about myself. What is that? And suddenly you are gaining insights at a level that is exponential to when you were previously avoiding the anxiety. And you step into this place where you feel empowered and it becomes rewarding when anxiety does show up momentarily in your body because you get to go, oh, this is my green light. I get to learn something new about myself. I get to practice regulating my nervous system with breath work or journaling or exercising or smelling essential oils, any kind of self-soothing practice. And then I get to take a new action that will Mm. literally shift my life and allow me to be more fully myself and enjoy and creativity and vibrancy. So that's kind of like the root of neural restructuring, right? But we don't yes. call that that. It's just new habits. Like your emotions right. are just habits and you go about learning them and relearning them the same right. way you would with anything else. Yes. And I, I teach this, it's breaking patterns and we talk mm-hmm. about creating new neural pathways. And so I can see that it's like, once you've decided to let the cloud dissolve, that is when a new neural pathway is being formed because mm-hmm. the old one, the one that you're wanting to rewire is I'm sitting in this. This is just who I am. You know, mm-hmm. this is just how life is, Right. but it's like, all right, broken. Let's break that pattern of you just sitting there and being in it mm-hmm. and then dissolving neuropathy is already created. And then once you figure out that works and you keep doing it, and it's like that neuropathy becomes so strong. And then that just becomes who you are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And suddenly you're like, oh, I feel really in control of my emotions now. I think I'm all regulated. And of course, it's not something that sticks forever. It's something that you're constantly in the flow of. It's cyclical. Right. right. But bringing that awareness to it mm. and looking at Really, when you get down to looking at the reward that you get from avoiding versus getting curious about, say, your anxiety Mm. or your depression, you will always be getting a reward. 
no matter what behavior you're doing. And some people have a hard time kind of conceptualizing that because they go, but it feels terrible. It ruins my life. Mm. How could this possibly be rewarding? But we, every single action that we take and decision we make functions for a reason. So your avoidance of anxiety might make it feel worse, but it allows you not to step into something that might feel scary, like acknowledging it and Mm. seeing it and validating it. So once you bring awareness, not only to the emotion and learn to sit with it, but then start looking at the actual reward that you get, you know, avoiding emotional intimacy, not Mm -hmm. having to take a leap of faith, not having to be in the uncomfortable emotion that like just feels edgy to feel. You can start to decide what actions you want to take to make a new reward. You know, like you're going to start realizing like, oh, I thought I was doing this and I thought it was working for me, but it actually feels like crap. And Mm. so I can't unsee that. I can't unknow that now that I know that I'm doing this. So what else is there? And that's where you start the journey of growth and expansion. Okay. So two things I'm thinking of. Do you have to know, because I know a lot of my, a lot of people who listen to this feel this. They're like, Mm -hmm. I wish I could do that. Do you have to know? what the vision is for yourself first or do you feel like that forms kind of along the way absolutely not yeah Mm. no I always feel like well what I know for me personally very deeply is that once I create that space Mm -hmm. from the overwhelming emotions and I'm able to just sit and listen to my body and sort of the central universal channel that comes through us that wisdom that we have access to, once you create the stillness, who you are in the process of becoming is going to be illuminated to you. Like future mm-hmm. you is so much bigger than you could ever imagine. And they know things that you don't know. And they're aware of options that you're not aware of. So your job really is just to take any new action that mm-hmm. feels more aligned and feels healthier and feels more grounded and creates a little bit more vibrancy every day in your body could be any new action. You might just start by like coloring a coloring book page instead of having a glass of wine, Mm. you know, or going and giving your partner a hug when you want to shut yourself down. You know, any tiny new action will help rebuild that pathway and create the person that you're becoming because we're not fully in control of who we are. If we were, we'd just be stuck in our limited knowledge right now. Yeah. I, and I can, I can attest to that, like, like breaking that pattern of like deep, deep depression and then just deciding I'm going to do this work Mm -hmm. and just like, I remember being in this place when I first had my boys and first started my first business where I was like, if this is what life is, then it's not worth living. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, this is not it. And then, yeah, making that decision. And now I'm in a place where like literally anything's fucking possible. Like mm-hmm. anything for everyone. Yes. Yes. I love um, that. Anything uh, is possible. And it is. It's a, it's just those new, the, like creating those new neural pathways, those new habits, those new actions that have got me here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and that, second, go ahead. I was going to say in that shift, right. Mm -hmm. From being in the depression and feeling like if this is it, then what's the point to moving to where you are now where you're like, 
oh my God, I've, I've created so many things in my life that I couldn't have even imagined at that time. Like that must mean that possibilities are infinite. Like that exact experience is what also launched the rebound way and my work with this company, because I realized working with my clients that were ultimately most of them on the quote unquote rebound, right? Yeah. They had just gotten out of a relationship. They were discovering who they are. They're trying to figure it out. They're dating, they're doing the things. I realized that society assumes that people want to stay in dysfunction, right? That's the classic mm. rebound where you're dysfunctional, you're emotionally unavailable, you're acting out, you're kind of disregarding people. But none of the people that I worked with were in that place. And Why? I realized like they how- were in the place where they wanted to shift and they like oh. wanted connection. Right. Like they had just okay. gotten out of a relationship that didn't feel in alignment for them. They didn't want to continue the, the um, dysfunction. Mm-hmm. They wanted to feel empowered, but they didn't have the information. I saw this thirst for the information for mm-hmm. how to do that. So for the people listening, like that is really what the rebound way is about is understanding that it's okay to shift that mindset from just continuing the dysfunction because we're not sure what else to do to feel better from that to a place where I I have a community, I have resources, there are infinite possibilities available to me when it comes to adapting to change in my life. I just have to give myself permission to show up a little bit more every single day Mm. and start exploring that and embracing it and learning something new about how to interact with my own mind and my own body and my own heart. But it's hard because we don't teach people that. And as adults, we get very, very down on ourselves for not having the information. And we've lived, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years feeling the same way. So it's really hard to believe that it's possible to feel a different way. Oh my gosh. I just feel this so strong. I know. It's such like a beautiful, a beautiful life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The other question I have for you is what have been your favorite and biggest rewards for yourself and your clients? Like they take that, they go through your process Mm -hmm. and they become emotionally regulated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What have been the biggest, most magical rewards that they've experienced that they didn't know, right? They just decided I'm just going to freaking do it because this is not the life I want to live. What have you seen? Ooh, it's hard to narrow it down, isn't it? So yeah. the first thing I thought of, I think before you, before you tell me yours is like weight loss, right? Like, really? you, yeah, because you think like, okay, you don't drink as much. You go and like your new neural pathways, I'm going to go on a walk mm-hmm. or I'm like, I'm not going to pick up that bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a reward that you were just like, maybe you th- thought it could come, but it like came like in tenfold and you're like oh my gosh like the reward is I love my body I lost weight like I look so good and being proud absolutely yeah I mean that's part right of learning how to be emotionally regulated and then set what we call personal boundaries the boundaries you Mm. set with yourself that allow you to stay in alignment with what you want would be oh I emotionally eat and now I'm doing that less and I'm moving more towards intuitively eating or I notice that I want to work out but I don't feel like it in this moment Mm. I'm aware of this. I can shift and do the thing I want to be, allow myself to be the person that I want to be, even if it doesn't quite feel comfortable yet. So yeah, I mean, that is something, though I don't work with my clients directly on eating and weight loss and um, 
kind of body strength empowerment that way. Uh, what I've seen a lot of and why it's potent for me to work specifically with emotion regulation and boundary setting is because your boundaries are your identity. Like your boundaries mm-hmm. define your identity. So by asking about the overwhelming emotions that you feel in your body, understanding how you currently respond to it, and then creating space for something new, you are ultimately moving directly into a place where you can start speaking your identity out into the world and communicating who your authentic personhood is. Whereas before we hold it in, you know? And so my clients, what I've seen from even sometimes seriously, just a session, like Mm -hmm. one session of creating that space and, and awareness, and then helping them define a new action that they can take moving forward. I've seen people who I speak with them two weeks later and they're like, I went and I asked my boss for a raise because I've earned it and I deserve it. And this is the work that I do from the company. And I just went and I told them what it is that I contribute and what I need to stay in alignment in this job. Right. Mm. Or I've seen people um, who had been feeling really isolated from their partners and really scared to show up and have conversations that feel vulnerable, show up and have those conversations feel empowered enough to let themselves be seen and to guide with or to lead with their vulnerability and come back and say, Oh my God, my partner was feeling the same way. And I thought I was, I thought I was going to get punished and shamed for bringing this onto the table, but like, they were so thankful and so grateful that I showed up Mm -hmm. and that I allowed myself to energetically lead this reconnection in my relationship. Um, And then I've also seen people move from places where they're really stuck in either codependent relationships or people-pleasing behaviors where um, their emotions are very deeply tied to the emotions of their romantic partners. And by creating this container to develop their identity and to lift that up and amplify it, are able to feel connected to their partner but not dependent on them and so I've worked with people a lot on shifting from kind of dysfunctional or codependent relationships that ultimately feel insecure Mm -hmm. insecurely attached to relationships suddenly where they feel securely attached and they can work on their problems with their partner but they're not intertwined with their partner's problems or vice versa but ultimately it just allows people to be seen Right. And to fully embrace who they are and just be like, oh, it's okay to be me. It's okay to have these feelings. Mm. I'm in control of my body. I'm in control of the life that I create. Mm. And I don't have to sit with and be complacent with this dysfunction. Like life can feel a lot better than that. And it's okay if I'm not in alignment with other people. I'm in alignment with me and I'm going to create that community from there. So it's fun. It's just I a feel little like bit of work. Conversation could like go for hours. I know. I've it, so, could. it could. Okay. I want you to because I, I want to make sure that we get in some tangible tools that you were talking about. Yes. Um, yes, yes. So if you could lead into that and just mm-hmm. yeah, where people are now, what you see for them, and how what's the in between part that they can do right now besides mm-hmm. getting into your programs and courses. Absolutely. So. If you are in a place where it feels impossible to imagine a life without the anxiety or the depression or the sadness, anger, without the overwhelming emotion that currently exists with you most, 
one of the fastest ways to disrupt your nervous system and begin to regulate your body is to do a peripheral meditation. Okay. Because when you are in a stressed survival state, your eyesight is literally going to narrow, which means your field of vision mm-hmm. narrows and centers in. So on an emotional, spiritual level, you know, this metaphor can be that you have literally less options available to you when you're mm-hmm. in a stress survival state. So when you do a peripheral meditation, you can do this for two minutes. You can do this for 10 minutes. You can really choose how much time you have to tune in. All I want you to do is look at a spot in front of you, mm-hmm. maybe 10 feet in front of you and look at it directly. Pick a spot on the wall or in your office. And without moving your eyes around, notice everything that's in front of you. Notice the hooks on the wall, the paintings, the plants, the desks, the people, and just absorb your visual field from that spot. Mm -hmm. And then again, without moving your eyes, keeping locked on the same place, I want you to move to your peripheral vision like 10 feet to the left, 10 feet to the right and see what you can see that far outside of your direct visual field. Mm. You might see a chair or a painting or the kitchen or the dog. What do you notice there? Mm. And then again, shift all the way to the edge of your periphery without moving your eyes and see what you can see. You might even hold your hands up right in front of your eyesight and move them back towards your shoulders to see where your hands end up disappearing. And if you don't have access to sight, you can also do this with sound, noticing sounds that are close versus far away. Mm. And so this is instantly going to switch your nervous system into a more restful state and then allow you to sit with your emotions a little bit better. I did that in one minute and I already feel that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you notice how suddenly you're aware of your entire environment? Yeah. Rather than just zoned into one kind of minute viewpoint. Yeah, I feel that because it is the, when you're in it, you're in it and that's when you have the blinders on. So mm-hmm. now you're allowing the space to look out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're widening the, mm. yeah, your available options, your understanding of your environment. You're going to be more connected and more grounded to your environment rather than all up in your head. So that's something that, again, you could take 10 minutes to do that and you could breathe yeah. through it if you wanted, or you can do it in 30 seconds when you're at the office. Mm. But that's just going to start to give your body permission to settle. Mm. And then you can choose what you do from there. If you feel like, you want something that's a little bit more active and challenging. If you already feel comfortable dropping into your body and creating space with those emotions, then we moved into sort of general self-soothing practices and self-soothing and emotional regulation are used sort of hand in hand sometimes. Um, So when that anxiety comes up, you're going to notice it, you're going to get curious about it, and then you're going to start to do something to move it through your system. This might be breath work mm-hmm. for even three minutes or an integrative session, a little bit longer of a practice. I've had times where I felt so much anxiety going to an event that I'm like, all right, I need a meditative 
anxiety yeah. practice right now. Like I'm going to do a meditative 45 minutes to an hour of breath work. Mm-hmm. And like, that's how much I have to clear from my body. And it works every single time I come out feeling like the universe exploded. Wow. <laughs> I'm just like yeah. this ball of energy ready to connect. Yeah. Um, but you can think of self-soothing as the five senses. So okay. you can do something physical with touch. Mm-hmm. That might be a massage. That might be rubbing your feet, um, putting lotion on your hands, combing your hair, mm-hmm. doing something with with writing. So journaling or coloring or cooking or cleaning. Mm-hmm. You can do things with sight. So a peripheral meditation, um, step outside and see mm-hmm. all that you can see. Go on a walk, which combines touch and sight. Right, mm-hmm. Go on a walk, connect to your visual field. Um, sound, listening to music, dancing, playing music, singing, mm-hmm. laughing, um, anything that is auditory based, you can do it with taste, right? Sometimes actually, if you're in like a very high anxious state or you're in the midst of a panic attack, you can put a lemon in your mouth and that mm. will shock your system that's back into regulation. It's like the straight shock. I was thinking of something mm-hmm. sour, like you just like, oh, oh. And suddenly you're in your body again. Yeah. You're out of your head and in your body. That is instant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can do it with sound or, um, sorry, smell. Okay. Essential oils, Mm. candles, incense, diffusers, um, smelling a flower, having some lavender that you can rub and smell your hands. So that would be sort of the next phase. And those things we're all going to be using and selecting from throughout our life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Walking, exercising, regulating, mm-hmm. um, connecting with other people, right? Other people can help you regulate by giving you hugs or processing through something. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going to clear the space. And once your body is back in that restful state, you're going to have a way easier time connecting to that intuitive center, which mm-hmm. is where your boundaries lie. Yeah. And that's the part of you and your inner knowing that tells you. Okay, I need to have this conversation about mm. something that's important to me that's scaring me. Mm-hmm. And I can show up from this regulated state and hold compassion for myself and compassion for other people that might also feel uncomfortable and just do the best that I can do to communicate. Or I have too much on my plate and I need to release some of those obligations, mm. right? Whatever that action is that moves you back into alignment. And honestly, like you don't, I have boundary setting Mm -hmm. scripts in my courses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is part of what we go through. But if you've gone through these steps and connected to your truth, you don't need a boundary setting script. Like the words are just going to come through you and you're going to have access to them and you're going to know what to say. Yeah. And because you figure it out along the way, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure the boundary setting scripts is perfect for someone who hasn't learned how to how to live in into that intuitive feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a good place to start. If you want to yeah. feel like you just have something to hold on to, mm. we could honestly do a whole other, <laughs> we could do a whole other episode on what to say when you are setting boundaries. Um, but ultimately I promise you, if you do the emotion regulation piece first, mm-hmm. you have the time and space or can create the time and space for yourself to do that before you're speaking your boundaries out, it's going to make a world of difference. 
people are going to be able to hear them. You're going to feel more connected to them. You're going to be more in alignment when you're communicating. And the other person is going to perceive that energetic shift in your body and be like, oh, she believes what she's saying or he believes what he's saying. Right. Because it doesn't sound when you're setting boundaries, it doesn't have to be like this defensive mechanism where you're just like angry and just like, you have to do this or this. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm in my body. This is exactly what I need. And I trust that. Yeah. Wow. If you feel like your boundaries aren't working for you, it's probably because you're not setting boundaries. You're in a defense mechanism. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. we could go on for hours, but I know that we was could amazing. get into it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So tell people where they can find you. Tell people what programs and courses you have open right now, how they can work mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. all of that. So you can find the lot of the information as far as my one-on-one work and my courses on thereboundway.com. Okay. You can find me on TikTok. I'm most active there. I'm in the process of getting my Instagram up and running, but awesome. I am definitely uh, slowly dipping my toe into the Instagram world. So okay. it's better to find me on TikTok. Awesome. Uh, and are you the um, rebound way on TikTok? I am the rebound way on okay. all of the platforms. Yeah. Cool. On Instagram, it's the underscore rebound underscore way. Okay. Um, if you're looking to do a self-paced course and you just want something that's low cost and easy and you can guide yourself through it, I've just launched the Boundary Setting 101 course mm-hmm. and the Annihilate Anxiety course. Those are audio-based because I'm Love that. so tired of doing Zoom sessions. Like, yeah. It's so draining. So they're audio-based. They include breath work. They include guided meditations. And they include pretty awesome writing reflections, if I do say so myself, like awesome. a journal experience that takes you through fully renegotiating relationships to emotions. Um, yeah. And if you want to re- work with me one-on-one, you can email me at hello at the okay. or find my coursework online. Sweet. Thank you so, so much for coming on. I'm just thank you for having this me conversation. Thank you for doing this work and just making it available for people because I, this is something that we haven't learned but it's mm-hmm. something that we can learn so that we can have beautiful, joyful, filled lives. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can That's absolutely a, I'm a hell it. yes for that. I'm a hell yes. Yes. I'm a oh hell yes. Gosh. Yeah. You don't have to feel uncomfortable in your body. You can feel joy and vibrancy mm-hmm. and connection, but you're the only one that can guide yourself through it. Right. No one can do it for you. Way to end with that. All right, Aliyah. Thank you so, so much. Have a good day. Ari. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye. Let us know you love this episode by writing us a review, share it on Instagram, and make sure you tag me, Coaching with Erin, so that I can message you back and connect with you. If you want to receive my new episodes weekly, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And like always, thank you, Queens, for being here, being you, and owning what you want. Life is so fun with you. I'll talk to you next week.